uh, afternoon. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, uh, it's great not alone to be able to speak on economia. Economia. Oh, Ico. Oh, I'm away. Economia. Um, but on, on today, when today is uh, known as Pentecost Sunday, seems to be just a ringing in my ears, just coming back. It's great, it's great. Fifty days after Easter, uh, that's what the, the church calendar marks this day. It's fifty days after the day of Easter. It's the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, on, on those disciples who, who uh, Neil talked about earlier. They were told to wait until the, the filling. They were told to wait to the outpouring of the, of the Spirit. After Jesus uh, died, he, he came back to earth uh, and spent 40 days with those disciples. And during that time, he uh, told them some significant things. He said, uh, we read it in Luke, he said, that, Wait and you will be clothed from on high clothed from on high and so uh, Neil's going to touch on tonight what what are you wearing are you being clothed from on high and during that time when Jesus was with his disciples he gave them a great commandment he he said go go into uh, all the world and preach the good news to all of creation all of creation and so uh, so there was a command for them to go and the, and then there was a promise um, there was a promise that, that he would be with them uh, through the Holy Spirit. That promise, we can read it in John, in John 14. He said, uh, uh, I, I will give you another helper, and he will be with you forever. And the, and the older I get, uh, and the more I, I journey, the more I have come to realize or, or fall upon my dependence of the Holy Spirit. You know, our abilities are great, but they're not enough. They're not enough. We need, we need more. We need the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so um, just as I was thinking about that, that uh, today, that, that commandment that we're to go, we're to step out in faith. Sometimes that's a scary place to be, isn't it? When, when God tells you or instills something into you to go and to do. It's usually a scary place. It's usually a place beyond where you're at at the moment. And I was thinking about Peter. You know, Peter stepped out of the boat. He, he stepped out in faith. And you know, it's one thing to step out of the boat when the water's calm. But it's a totally different thing to step out of the boat when there's a storm all around you. Do you ever think about that? And so the tendency within us is that we will wait Till the waters calm, we will wait till most of the conditions are in the in the right way. We will never; it's never our automatic to step out in the midst of a storm. And and yet, that's what that um, uh, story demonstrates. I just felt I needed to share that at the start because, you know, there's people that are just waiting till everything's perfect. They're waiting till there's a calmness. They're waiting till everything's perfect, till everything worked out. And Peter, he just stepped out in the midst of a storm. Today represents the birth of the church also. 
And so we sing happy birthday to the church. And Johnny, yes. Two great significant things. I'm going to try this again. I can know me. I can know me. And, and I just love the way everyone is kind of engaging in that. Because that means that I've got your attention. You haven't nodded off just to sleep yet. I've appreciated what Amy and David and Neil have shared over the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't been with us, you really you can catch it up on SoundCloud. And, and uh, I'm not going to take the time to go over uh, all the things that they shared. But as I've spent time in preparation, I've read over my notes again. I've read over some of the things that they have shared. But this word, uh, I'll just refer to it as this word, uh, uh, represents or, or has something to do with of the management and, the sh- and stewardship and overseeing of, of all the gifts that God has graced us with. It's to do with the management of a household. You know, when I first heard about this word, I couldn't help but think about my own life. How well do I manage what God has given me within the context of my own home, first of all, and within the context of, of just the people that I'm responsible uh, right around, around me? So it's to do with management, it's to do with stewardship, it's to do with administration, uh, it's to do with, uh, and David brought this out really well, it's, it's to do with the overseeing of, of another's property that has been allotted to you for a trusted time. The gifts that God has given you and, 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 uh, uh, and those things that he has placed in your life. You know, even as I sit here, I think about people, you know, there's gifts that lie within us that are dormant. We don't even realize they are. And that's you need the Holy Spirit to make those things come alive or, or, or to, 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 to spark things off from the inside of you. One thing is clear is, is before we venture into into what all this word represents, or before we even take on some of the responsibilities with this word, there's, there's something that we have probably made clear is that we need to know our identity. We need to know who we are uh, in Christ. Second Corinthians 6 verse 8 says, You are first sons and daughters of the Most High. You are first sons and daughters of the Most High. I'll say amen to that. Your first sons and daughters. There's no point in trying to live out what God has for us if we don't realize who we are. And secondly, Romans 8 verse 17 says, Now, if we are children of God, guess what we are? If we are children of God, if we are sons and daughters of God, then we are co-heirs with Christ. Does anybody, does, do you, do, does, like we, we don't really use that language today, but does anybody have any idea what it is to be an heir? So um, Prince William is an heir to the throne. And, and so it's like us saying, because of our relationship with, I don't know, we can be co-heirs, we, we join in. What is their inheritance becomes our inheritance. 
And I think that sometimes we, we have lost the whole side of the kingdom, the whole perspective of the kingdom. One day we will inherit with Christ. It'll not be Christ over here and, and, and us down here. We are co-heirs with Christ. So everything that the Father has intended for the Son will be our inheritance too. And the, and the third thing is this way of life. This way of life is only possible through the Holy Spirit. It's only possible with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Pentecost is important. Not so we can call ourselves Pentecostals. That, ter- that term Pentecostal is only, is only taken from this time. But we want to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be known as people filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. The word originates from God and the word comes from the heart of God. And so we are called to something great when you enter the kingdom. When you, be, when you become a follower of Christ, you enter the kingdom. And so we are called to something great, but we're not alone just called to it. Then we are called to steward it. So it's like we receive it on one side, but then we're called to steward it out on another. And so there's a responsibility. We, we, we prayed over Edgar there, and just some of the words that Neil used over Edgar, we trust you, we entrust you. And, and, and just, just that's what God does. He entrusts us with things. We don't deserve it. We're not probably worthy of it. But because of his grace and his mercy and his kindness, he, he does that. And, uh, and so when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus uh, came to earth, to, to demonstrate all this. And the greatest way that he demonstrated all this was that he didn't do his own will. He did the will of the Father. John 6, John 6 tells us, Jesus clearly says this, I, I am not here to do my own thing. I am not here to take on my own mission. I am doing what the Father has called me and told me to do and what what Jesus would have done often you read throughout scriptures he would have drawn away to hear what the father says he would have spent time in prayer seeking the father and he had to wait even Jesus had to wait till his time Mary said that when he did his first miracle uh, or just at that time or maybe he said that he said my time hasn't come yet and then then his time did come and it was his time and so timing is important. I like what Neil shared. I caught up with it on SoundCloud last week that we're, we're not called just to be nuclear families. We're not just called just to be, you know, a wife and a husband and two children and the dog and two cars and, and all those things. We're, we're called to be a family on mission. We're called to be in a, in a greater a greater way and, and, and so he shared with us last week from the story of Matthew 25 of the, the responsibility of the talents and, and reading over and over and over it again that we are entrusted with something and then, and then the, the boss man comes back and, and we just said well you know what I just didn't bother using that talent I just put it in my back pocket because I didn't really want the responsibility. I'd, I thought, well, if I could, at least if I gave it back to you, I could have lost it. 
You know, he tries to argue a case for himself, I, I imagine. And, and, and Jesus, you know, the boss says, you're, you're a wicked man. You, you haven't used what, what I have given you. Given you. And, and so for us to do that, we, we need to take on responsibility. And guess, in responsibility, there's an element of risk. There's an element of risk. My dad used to say, you know, when we were going about as young lads, uh, my dad would have said, uh, you know, because you had a girlfriend and then you didn't have a girlfriend and then you did have another girlfriend. You might have been a bit down the mouth in between all this here sort of carry on. And he would have always said, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. And, and what Neil said last week, it's better to have taken a risk than not to have taken any risk. And that's really what I want to talk to you tonight or this morning about is investment. Because investment involves risk. Stick up to our five capitals there, uh, Kelly, if that's okay. We'll get there. Our five capitals, the five areas where 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 this word oikonomia is uh, is connected to is these five areas of our lives. Two, four, five, yeah. Somebody said six. Uh, five areas of our lives. So there's the spiritual, there's the relational, there's the intellectual, there's the financial, and there's the physical. And that's... And, and what we're called to do is we are all, there's part of, of this in us all. And so God invests himself in every area of our life through these things. But we are, we're, it can't stop there. We need to invest. There's a part for us to play to. Not, not so that we, we have them for ourselves, but that we have them to give out to others around it wouldn't do if I, if I didn't uh, uh, quote something that Amy said, because I seem to quote something that Amy said every time I preach. Um, but Amy said this, in, in, and I, I just thought, you know what, this is true. Um, God wants us to be, I, I'm not getting it word for word, but I'm getting, I'm getting the gist of it. God wants us to be in a place where we're, there's not just enough of his presence for ourselves but there's enough that we can share or have an overflow. We sang about overflow. There's an overflow for others. And so in our spiritual lives, God wants us to overflow. God wants us to overflow in our relationships. He wants us to overflow intellectually, engaging our brains. I believe God wants us to overflow financially so we can bless others around us. And he wants us to overflow physically. Nine times this word is used. Nine times it's used. But it's used in six different books of the Bible. So I know it's broken down into nine times. But, but it's first mentioned in the book of Luke. And it's in the story, uh, Luke chapter 16, of again this boss comes to his manager and, uh, and, and says to him, you know what, you see, the possessions that I have entrusted you with. You have wasted those. 
You have not done well with those. You have been lazy with them. And because of that, I am going to fire you. He didn't say, I'm going to fire you. Um, You're fired. He says, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to get rid of you. And so the boss heads off and the manager is left there standing. And what the manager does, he, he, he devises a plan and he goes around to all the people that owes his boss money and says, you know what, if you give me, if you, if you, he, he, he really is shrewd in what he does. And so the long and short of it is without going into the story, when the boss comes back, he's baffled at how his manager has been so shrewd, how he has engaged his intellect in handling the boss's affairs. And that's what this word represents. It represents us being wise, using our intellect, our skills, our shrewdness for the kingdom of God. The second place it's mentioned is in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 17. And basically what it tells us is that that we we must hold the gifts and, and the things of God with an open hand. If God has entrusted you with something, if God has given you a special gift, it's not so you lord over someone or you're better than someone, but it's you hold it with an open hand and you get this privilege of participating in something great. Um, Ephesians, it's mentioned in Ephesians 1 and it's mentioned in Ephesians 3. Uh, uh, three times it's mentioned in Ephesians, and David again touched on this. These, these gifts, these talents, these abilities that we have been entrusted with, the first one tells us that they, we have been entrusted with them for an allotted time. The second one tells us that um, we not alone are to manage these gifts that we've been given, but we are to invest in them. So whatever your gift is, you need to work hard and invest in it. Better your skill better your ability to communicate uh, to an outside world. And, and the final one in, in, in Ephesians 3, it, it shows something that we are, we are allowed to participate in revealing the kingdom of God to people around us. That's what we're, we're called to do. We're entrusted with things so we can reveal what God's kingdom is to people around us. In Colossians 1, uh, um, where it's used in Colossians 1 verse 25 it says that when, when, our li- when we invest our lives in something of Christ's fullness we will, uh, reveal, we will reveal Jesus in our day but yet in days to come like imagine what you're doing now Norches lives beyond your time and, and the story is written in, in 50 years' time of, of a guy who came from Dublin, moved out of his comfort zone, and yet used his gift and invested in that. Or, or, or Carolina, when you're, when you're just taking that cup of tea, there's an investment that, that you're using, or, or, or Edgar's, you stepped out in faith, but you're using those gifts that uh, God has called. And, and so we, we economa this hope and we, we not alone share this hope within within the confines of where we're at but we're 
We're, I'm not alone within our churches and not alone within our communities, but this hope is translated throughout our nation. Imagine if what you carried could change a nation. Imagine that. And yet that's what God calls us to do. Ian has, is, is, very, is great at handing out these wee mustard seeds, these wee, these wee tiny seeds. And that's what God does. He plants something really, really tiny within you. But it grows to be something massive. And the final place that it's mentioned, and I love that it's mentioned here, is in First Timothy. And, and Paul is writing to this young man, like our young men here in the front row here. Um, our young men. And, uh, and, and so I'm going to ask Kelly. Kelly's, Kelly's putting it up. And, and what Paul, Paul says to the young man, he says, don't waste your time, your energy, your effort, your resources in endless discussions uh, of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. You know, we can invest we can invest in the wrong things and still think that we're doing uh, we still think we're doing well and so the, these endless genealogies or these endless theories that people get so caught up in what what is your denomination and what is your stance are you a millennial or premillennial are you calvinist are you are you not are you are you of this tribe or that tribe and and and, and last night we all stood in unity from many different denominations and worshipped God and prayed together. It was awesome. Really awesome. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? And so young men, young people, Paul's writing and saying, you know what? Be careful what you invest your time in. Be careful what you do. You know, we invest in a lot of stuff that won't last the test of time. I'm, I'm guilty of that too. We, we, not alone spiritually, but uh, physically. There's relationships that we invest time in. You know what? I mean, they're, they're never going to mean anything. And I know you have to be discerning in that, but I think, there, I think God gives us a witness early on and says, you know what? That's not for you. Don't, don't waste your time anymore on that. That's not of me. That's not where I'm... Um, and because we waste our time, we waste opportunities, uh, and, uh, and we miss out. But why is it important for us to steward and manage and invest well? Well, in uh, Ephesians 1, it tells us that we, we do these things so we can, we can share something of the mystery of the kingdom of God. We can share something of the mystery of the kingdom of God to people around us. We not alone receive it ourselves, but we go on to share it. A mystery is something that is that can never be completely signed off. It can never be, this is the total mystery. Volumes of books have been written about this mystery, the kingdom of God, and will continue to be written about this mystery of how God changes a life, how God gives life a purpose to life, how God changes, how God sets people free, 
how people, how God can take people from the mire and set them on the rock. The mystery of all that uh, is great. You know, for me, I was thinking about this word oikonomia and uh, and the management of a household. And and I like to share a wee bit of my story every time I speak. But for me, it was life changing. My my life represented, on the outside, it represented order. But underneath the surface, it was quite chaotic. And uh, and so so I got to a point uh, in my life. I I I understood the miracles of God. I understood prophecy. I seen all that operation. But the reality is, when I came away from a, a, a gathering of any sort and was on my own in my house, my life was far from that place. It was it was empty. It was lonely. Uh, I had no order within it whatsoever. And, uh, and so I got so disheartened with all that that I, I, I stopped going to church and, uh, and I belonged to the global church. Have you ever heard of that? And, uh, and so I would not commit myself to anywhere, anywhere locally. And, uh, and so to make a short, uh, long story short, uh, at that time I, I gathered a great friendship or I had a great friendship with Ronnie and Carlin. And, and so for me, they, they represent this well. They not alone live their lives that they, they know the purposes of God, but they live their lives with an overflow that is able to, to flow out into other people's lives. And, and they do that. They bring people into their homes. They, 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 they invest well in people. Um, they invest well in relationships. They invest well financially. And, and they're not here today to... Um, to, to show that. But you see, what, what actually happened in that part of my life, I invested in the things that I wanted return out of. And that's what we do. We invest with the idea of what is it in it for me. We do that. And so I, I invested in, in finances because I wanted finances. Or I invest in the spiritual because I want to be spiritual. But we need to invest. God, When God created us, he created us more than just financial people. And he created us more than just spiritual people. He created us in a bigger way. You see, most of us um, are poor and needy because we have no investments to draw. We have made no investments in our lives. And so, so we barely exist ourselves. I hope you understand the term investment. It's not, a, it's not a very common term nowadays because they say that people are investing less money than ever. But what happens in an investment is an investment initially costs you. There's a risk involved. It's not an instant thing. So you don't invest money if you want to take it in the money side. You don't invest money one day and draw it out the next. It's a long-term process. And you have to allow time and maturity. But what happens when we invest well? What happens when we take on the responsibility to invest? Well, that that passage in, in Matthew 25 
is clear. There's results. There's a result that happens. And that's what the end of our lives will be about. It'll be about a result of one form or another. Well done, good and faithful servant. This is how this master returned. You've often heard it said that people want to hear the well done, good and faithful servant. The other things that that you have to do when you're you're investing in something, you have to reorder your life in some way. You have to decide what's important. You have to prioritize uh, stuff. And so we want to see that as we do this investment, that something grows within us that not alone just feeds ourselves, but will feed people around us. What if we lived in that place where there was an abundance and an overflow? I'm nearly finished, so I'm. You know, church was a huge help to me in growing and learning how to invest. Um, Ronnie, we, we have this word simple down here. We're probably going to finish this off some someday. But many years ago, I don't know whether you were here or not, but you heard Ronnie preach this sermon on a simple life. And, and again, um, we learned principles here over the years that, you know, we make our lives very complicated with stuff. And we need to keep it uh, simple. You know, it's said that if you're properly connected to Christ, you'll fall in love with the church. I think that's a huge statement. If you're properly connected to Christ, you'll fall in love with the church. And when when you get connected, and not alone just, um, when we're talking about church, we're talking about a body of people who are different in many different ways, but but help us to grow in many different ways, something happens. It's like when you're in a room and a group of people worship together from all different backgrounds and all different denominations. Something happens. So what, 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 I want to ask this question. Um, I did want to ask David to come up so I did and share something. But I forgot where that is. Dave, come up and tell us what. Um, just share what 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 uh, God has put in your heart. Yeah. 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 White. Um, Neville just was talking about influence last night, and. Uh, I talked about influence a couple of weeks ago and, and didn't really explain it in a, in a crazy, uh, in-depth way because I was already at 48 minutes. So um, just on Friday, Neil and I were at um, the, one of my favorite translations, Passion Translation, where we were meeting the, the writer of this and his wife, and he spoke from a verse. And last night when we were at the prayer event and he was talking to me about influence, I just felt like it just hit me the key, the influence, and I'm going to read it to you. And this is the simply what I really feel God is saying is the key to influence and the key to starting it and the key to sustaining influence. And so um, influence with influence, there has to be a purpose. 
and um, with influence there's two types of influence there's influence with the gifts and abilities that god has given you and there's also influence with just the overflow of god and jesus in your life so the influence that you can be responsible for and work on and invest in but just also the influence of your overflow of your time with god so that not just enough for you but enough for those who walk past you enough for those who encounter you during the day um and it's also that we need to make a choice with what we do with this influence. And so as children of God, um, in the face of things like last night, we need to make the choice that we are going to be influencers of the kingdom of heaven. Because we could join in the chorus of all the things of what people are saying about Islam, what people are saying about terrorism, and oh, it's the worst time we've lived in. Or we can actually be influenced by heaven and carry what heaven is saying and carry what God is saying over our nation and over our lives. And it all starts with this. In uh, Romans, Romans fifteen thirteen, and listen very carefully. This is the key to influence. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. And so the key to influence is intentionally carrying joy and hope. Is intentionally carrying joy and hope and investing in what you need to do to carry that. So making the right choices. Am I going to listen to what the world says? Am I going to listen to what the devil says? Am I going to listen to what my flesh and my mind says? And sometimes it's okay. Or am I going to listen to what the Father says and speaks over me, what the kingdom says? And so the key to influence is joy and hope. And that's me. Good, good. And so when I was talking about responsibility, responsibility equals results. And one of those results is that you, the influence that you will uh, carry. Uh, so I want to just ask um, two questions as we finish this morning. And, and it's simple. What are you investing in? What are you investing in? And what you are investing in, how well are you investing in that? You might say, I don't know what to invest in. I don't, I don't have the gifts that other people have around, around me. I always remember that the first time I heard that in the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, Moses, or God said to Moses, what have you got in your hand? And so look at what God has placed in your hand and start to invest in that. We need to recognize that investment needs to happen not alone just for our lives, but for the sake of the lives of the people around us. And, and, uh, and, and leadership is great within a church. And we can guide and we can steer, but ultimately the choice is yours. The choice at the end of the day is yours. What you do with your life. And so uh, we can only recommend to you to invest well in what God has given you. I often think of, 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 a, of a father and a son or a daughter. How does a father respond when their child makes good choices? How, how, you know, what does it do for a father's heart? 
when a child makes good choices. And when we make good choices and, uh, or make even, even make choices, never mind good ones, but make some sort of a choice, we take a risk, we step out, we, we give something of ourselves uh, to the community and lives uh, around us. And, uh, uh, and how well are we doing that? Are we, are we pushing on because we see the bigger picture? Are we pushing on because God has given us the dream and give us the vision of what he wants our lives to look like. Again, it starts with a tiny mustard seed. It starts with maybe just a wee idea. But, uh, but over the years, we have, we have listened to great missionaries. We have listened to great stories of people who have given their lives for the dream that God has placed within it and hung on there in spite of difficulties and, uh, and seen the reward. I know this is maybe on a... The story that I'm going to share as I, as I end is, is maybe quite a secular story, but it, um, it's quite good for you computer geeks. Not that there's anything wrong with being a computer geek. Sorry, I can't find it. Anyway, basically, it's the story of the guy who, who, who came up with the idea of WhatsApp. And, uh, and he went to work for Facebook. And, uh, and Facebook told him, basically, your talents, your ideas, your gifts are, are no good. They're not really. But he believed in them. And he spent his life uh, working them out. And he went on, and he went on to sell his company to Facebook for seven billion pounds. And, and, and so he continued on with what he was gifted and talented uh, with. And just want to finish with this one thing. I really do. How many times have I said that? Three? Three, four, four. Right, I want to finish with this one thing, okay? Because I think the posture is important. I think the posture of our lives is important. And we started out with that, with Acts chapter 2, this morning, the Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But I think the, the posture is important of these early disciples. Have we got it there, Kelly? Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I just want to stop on this one, Kelly. Don't go on to the next one. They continually and faithfully devoted themselves to the instruction of the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to eating meals together, and to prayers. That sounds like investment to me, doesn't it? And, and that was the basis that they worked from. They devoted themselves uh, to one another. I like this, I like this verse in, Psalm, in Psalms. Because when you invest, you take a risk. But this verse in Psalm tells you this. Psalm 25 verse 3 says, Anyone who puts their hope or invests their life in, in, uh, in you, meaning God, will never, ever fail. They will never, ever fail. 